Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please, please be seated. Please join me for a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our assembled hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a couple of hymns I need to put out of bounds before I preach, and that might just be one of them, Alex. I can't pull it together after we sing all of those heartfelt pieces of John the Baptist and his ministry. Words are one thing to sing them, another thing to hold them in your heart. And maybe it's the tune, maybe it's the words, but that hymn is going to have to be sung on the way out rather than, <laughs> rather than the way to the pulpit. Last Sunday, as I commented, we got to look at the nativity of our Lord, the birth of Jesus through the eyes of his father, Joseph. This morning, I want to call our attention to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and look at the birth of Jesus through the eyes of his mother, his mommy, through the eyes of Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Your pastor's got to pull it together here for goodness sakes. You think I get, I get older, you think it'd be tougher. I get weaker in my old age. I get that. But I do understand in wisdom there's some things you need to experience to be able to speak to. I understood Joseph. I get Joseph. I, I understand that whole thing of being the guy and the baby and the responsibility and looking at your wife grow and the tummy getting bigger and your wife calling you over to the couch and saying, can you feel that? Can you feel that? I get that from the father's point of view. But from Mary's point of view, ladies, I'm sorry, you get this a whole lot differently than any of us men. 
We can observe, we can comfort, we can love. At the end, we can hold the baby. I'll never forget when my daughter was born at St. Joe's, Dr. Kojin plopped the baby right in my arms and said, it's a little girl. But I had not been through the most difficult pieces, nor had I been through the most tender pieces of having a baby. I wonder what it was like for Mary to the shock and anxiety of knowing that she was pregnant and there was not a sexual relationship nor was there a husband and so God sent an angel and the first thing the angel says is what don't be afraid I don't know about you but looking at the angel Gabriel and being a young woman who had a pregnancy and and had a super nice guy ready to get married I've I would think fear would be one of the most natural things that she would feel feeling she was able to feel the baby gyrating in her womb the visible kicks the pushes all those were Mary's and Mary's alone to know and as the scripture relates to keep and ponder in her heart and the connection to that oldest son I'm the oldest son of my mom and I can't tell you why but there's a connection there that that's a little deeper and a, a, and a little more sensitive than I don't know why that is I don't know if that's a function of family I don't know if that's a function of being the oldest I don't know if that's a godly thing but the connection of a mother to her son mothers you know better than than I know and the pain that goes with childbirth I'm certain the birth of Jesus was like all of our births I don't think Mary was spared of the travails of childbirth I think it was just like many of us or if not all of us were born and the pain the labor the transitional labor the blood and the tears and in the end there's the baby safe and sound and beautiful I wonder if baby Jesus cried, I'm assuming so, but Joseph and Mary, both having been visited by an angel, <laughs> there was peace in the stable, in the manger. There was the little boy. Mary's to know, Mary's to hold on to, tears and tenderness, family, right there in a little cave just outside of Jerusalem. And all these, all those memories, all those feelings, that, that heart, and so much that Mary knew that Joseph could never know. What a marvelous piece of the story. The unique perspective of Mary, the mother of our Lord, one of the central people, if not the central person whom God used to bring Jesus, Jesus. The angel told both Joseph and Mary, you're going to name him Jesus. I think in this story, Mary keeps us from making Christmas too ethereal and too cosmic, too out there. It's easy to get caught up in all of the stars and the sky and the angels and all of those, all of those pieces that are so heavenly. And while Christmas does have a cosmic nature to it, I'm reminded that Jesus was not transported from the starship Enterprise to the transporter to Bethlehem that night. He was born as we were born, 
Not some bloodless, painless event that was all covered in light and peace and angels and singing and all of those things. But Jesus was born just the way we were. But Mary keeps Christmas and God's big plan of redemption real. Touchy, feely, real, people real, eye to eye, heart to heart, life to life, hand to hand, baby in an arm, real. Some look at Christianity and God as some kind of deistic peace where God started the world, put it in motion, then walked away and said, it's yours, good luck with it. Mary reminds us that God is involved in humanity and in human life in an extremely real way. No way at all did God walk away from humanity and from the world he created. He's not just out there somewhere and we're hoping that maybe at the end he'll connect. Rather, we know God. And instead of it being only a cosmic, heavenly event... Mary reminds us that it's all so very real. Humanity believes, I, I think, that God is detached. That God is not as powerful as our politics. That God is not as powerful as our economy. That God is not as powerful as all of the things in the world that seem to have such oomph. And, and that God is somehow detached and so that humanity is somehow not accountable for what they do. We can kind of run around like little crazy people until the world runs out of steam and then poof. No, at this time of year, a time of reflection on the past and looking forward with hope into the new year, we're reminded in this Luke text that God has more for us than good luck. You're on your own. We'll See you when we see you. Mary, the bearer of Christ, and the birth of Jesus, the swaddling clothes, the manger, the stable, all of those pieces shows God's engagement in our humanity. And that's about the best part of the good news that there could possibly be. Mary makes Christmas real. Any mother can tell you how real childbirth is. Anybody who's been through it knows a whole lot more about it than those of us who just kind of observed. But I'm reminded that in this text, real sin and our real lives need a real savior. I guess God could have transported in. I guess God could have snapped his fingers and said, okay, the sin's all gone. He could have come up with a little more cosmic, little less yucky way of saving the world. But to bring atonement for our sins, he he sends a baby. He sends a real person born and raised in a family to live a real life in a real place, on a real map, in a real house, in a real carpenter shop with people with real names like Mary and Joseph, he lined it all up. He lined it up with those words of Isaiah that were in our Old Testament text. Real human sickness was healed. Jesus taught with authority like nobody else. Matter of fact, the scribes and the religious people of the day, their eyes rolled to the back of the head when Mary and Joseph's son stood in the synagogue and said, this is the word of the Lord. And they said, you've got to be kidding me. Real time, real place. The, ear, the deaf could hear, 
the blind could see, even the dead were raised in real time. Jesus, the son of Mary, the son of God. And Jesus, he intersects in our lives as well. Again, not with only cosmic insight, but with what we need. Peace, closeness, intimacy, warmth, real relationships. For in the life of Jesus, there is peace with God for you and me and with all of humanity. For at the end of his real life, in a real place called Calvary, there his mom saw him off as he was given up for us and for our salvation, giving his life as a ransom for us and all humanity, for you and me, as he came into the world with blood and pain. So he would leave the world, leaving his blood to make peace with God for you and me. Not an inert, hands-off, sterile event, but the central event of all history. Born out by the boy Jesus, the son of Joseph, the son of Mary, the son of God. Who the angel, I picture, smiled at Mary and said, All things, all things are possible with God. Do not be afraid. Real sin needs a real savior. And I don't know about you, but going into 2024, my life and our lives need a wonderful counselor. Who do you listen to as you go forward, as you press on? Who connects you into the conversation? What conversations do you connect into and what do those sound like? Some people talk and you're like, man, you don't even get it. And as a Christian living in somewhat of a pagan culture and as a spiritual leader, I listen to people talk of like, man, it's not all about presents and garland. It's about Jesus. You don't know anything about Christmas and God and the faith and all of those things. And I kind of shake my head. And instead of being snarky and snotty, I, I try to be kind. But sometimes it's really tough. I remember being a young man after the first round of children were born in 1991 at St. Louis Seminary, at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, and all of us had these little babies, and the mommies kind of gathered in one corner of Lober Hall, and they talked and had a good time, and this and that, this and that, and all the boys, all the daddies, we stood in the other corner talking about childbirth and how tough it was. And how much we had witnessed and how traumatic it was and how, you know, how impressed we were with ourselves that, you know, we made it through that. Each story gaining a little more uh, machismo as it went on. Now as an older person and as a grandpa, I'm reminded how foolish that is. It's kind of fun at the time. But we need a wonderful counselor. We need somebody who's not disconnected from the rigors of life, but someone who has walked in our dirt, breathed in our air, walked on our streets, shared both the joys and the sorrows of life in family and community so that he would have a connection to us. You will call him Emmanuel, God with us. 
And while there is a cosmic and ethereal peace to the angels and the stars and all of those things, I'm reminded through the life of Mary, the mother of our Lord, that Christmas is real, that Jesus is real, and that the counsel that he gives us through his word and spirit in the community of the faithful, it guides real life in a real way and provides a hope that we need pressing on and looking forward into the new year. In these shorter and darker days of 2023, we're reminded that our past is covered with the grace of Mary's Son. And we find a peace that it's not some touchless event, but rather He lived like us and yet died as only He could to bring us in our day and in our time the touch of God's grace. And as we look to the longer and brighter days of 2024, the one who died for us also lives with us going forward. He blesses us, blesses us with his presence and his peace. Real people real life, real hope, real peace in Jesus. Amen.